need that was going on in Nicaragua. We know a family that's um, down there that were buying water filters. They had bought 50 water filters. They're like $30 a piece. Uh, it, was, and it was a total of $1,500. We, they had the couple that was down there, the Orans, they had bought out Nicaragua all that they had. And so they, but they went, when they passed them out, went to pass them out to the people, they were gone on the first day. And so we thought, well, maybe we can help a little bit. So last week we shared the need with you guys. Um, after the first service, someone handed us a check for $1,500 and said, hey, match it. Uh, tell the people to match it. And so I, we, you guys raised $4,500. And so that's yes, awesome. Good work. So I, I was, a couple new things for me this week. I was, told you last week, my son shot a deer, Bambi, I mean, for the city folk. Um, it, was, it was a fork and horn, I guess. They, I'm learning these things. And so this week, on Thursday, we went over to a friend's house. I joined my son, my family did, and I walked up to their garage door, and there was this carcass with ribs um, laying out. My kids were kind of, younger kids were grossed out. We didn't went inside. They're just meat on this table. And I was thinking, um, wow, this is different. And, and so we were cutting it up and grinding it and putting it in the grinder. And I guess, like, well, I guess I'm, I'm ordained now. Now I'm, I'm a true Oregonian. I, I've cut up a deer. And so I haven't shot one yet. My kid did. But um, I'll just take credit for what he did. But that's, that's one thing. And the other thing they told me when I moved here, that they said, you know, you're going to take up cross, you'll, you'll get into cross country and track. And I'm like, no, we'll do football, we'll do volleyball, we'll do softball, we'll do baseball. There's, that, that's not a sport. People get punished. They run track when they're punished. But yesterday, my daughter decided to take, she's running cross country. She's a freshman at the school. And they, they, her team once. Uh, the league, and so the first and second place team from league go to state, and so all the 4A schools, they were at Lane County yesterday, and they came, uh, her and Gracie Freudenthal, who also, her dad's an elder in the church here, they're both on this team, they're both freshmen, their team came in fifth place, and so fifth in the state, I'll take it, Um, but they're uh, the five, the guys, I guess the first five, you count their points, and the Three other girls are sophomores, so maybe you hear about them later. But that's new things that are going on for me. Um, one of the things, we've been going through John, and we just finished up the book of John, not the book of John, but through chapter 17, we did a three-week little series on prayer, looking at John chapter 17, and um, we this week, we're going to move out of John. Um, we're actually for the rest of the year because we really don't want to kill Jesus during Christmas. And so we're going to wait until the end of the year to, to get to those chapters. Uh, and so we're going to take a look just at one verse. Aaron preached on it a couple of weeks ago, but it's John seventeen seventeen, And the verse says, sanctify them in truth. And it says, your word is truth. And this, and so we're going to take a look at that today. And so today and next week, we'll, we're going to, this little series we're going to call it Hope Through the Word. And then that'll be this week and next week. In the, the last two weeks of November, we're going to have a gentleman. He was a professor for me. He's also a pastor, retired pastor from, from California. He was taught, the, taught at Hope International University. His name's Sherman Pemberton. He'll be here the last two weeks in, in November. And so just so you know what's going on, and then we'll get into the Christmas season starting in December. So that's where we'll be. So sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so the word sanctify means holy. And if you ever heard the word sanctification, sanctification is holy. And the second part of that word means to make. And so this, 
we heard the word sanctification, it means to make holy. I read a quote by John Piper who says, he's a guy that's a pastor but also writes a lot of books. He said, sanctification is obeying, obeying the commander-in-chief. And so sanctification is obeying God. It's following uh, strong after God. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look into 2 Kings, uh, one of the kings in chapter 22. Uh, one of, it's a great story of a guy that, that found the Bible, <laughs> found the law, and he was sanctified by it, and it changed everything about him and everything in his country. And so we'll take a look at that here in a second. But before we get there, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that we get... Um, looking at the New Testament, looking at the Old Testament. We've been in the New Testament for a while, but just looking at a story in the Old Testament to see how, how you changed a person's life by he found your word and started following it and changed everything about him and changed everything about his, the kingdom that he was a king of. And so, Lord, I pray today as we, we listen and read this story that, that we might be able to see how you lead us, maybe even see, see how you want us to follow after you. And may we to be sanctified by your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to kind of, we look at the kings in the Bible, you might have heard of kings. It's in first and second kings. Actually, back into Samuel, there was kings in Israel. And now, how do we get kings? If you go back to Moses, Moses led the people to Israel, uh, to the promised land is what he led them to. And then Joshua took them into the promised land, and then they set up Israel. And you had 12 tribes of Israel, and you kind of find that happening in Joshua. And then if you go to the next book, it's Judges, and in Judges you find people, different judges. You have Gideon and Samson and these guys that really help God's people and, and, and help lead God's people. And you get into the book of First Samuel, Samuel's a judge, and his sons are supposed to take over for him, but his sons are kind of, they're idiots, they're not good people, they just don't follow the way they're supposed to follow, and so the people of Israel come to, to Samuel and say, hey, your sons kind of stink, they're not, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, we want a king, and Samuel's like, no you don't, and so Samuel's up kind of flustered because God, God wants to be their king. So he goes to God and says, hey, they want a king. And he's like, what are we going to do about this? And God says to Samuel, let them have what they want. Give them what they want. And he's like, okay. So he goes back to the people and tells them this is, you know, that you're rejecting God, but fine. You know, you can have what you want. And then you look at verse this is in First Samuel chapter 8, verse 10 through 17. Samuel's telling them, if you have a king, this is what's going to happen. The kings are going to take your children. They're going to take your boys and girls. You're going to have to serve the king. You're going to have to give to the king. And it's not going to be fun for you. God doesn't want this for you. He wants to be your king. And they're like, I don't care. I want a king. So they're like, fine, take a king. And so if you keep reading in Samuel, Saul comes along, and the name Saul, he's the king of Israel. And after Saul, is, you know, comes David, and then comes Solomon, then comes Rehoboam. And so Rehoboam was Solomon's son, and he wasn't a very smart guy either. He didn't follow, and he got wise counsels for some older guys, and they told him what to do. And he's like, I don't like that counsel. So he went to his friends, his friends told him what to do, and he jacked it all up. And at that point, it divided the kingdoms. And so you have the 12 tribes that are not together anymore. You have Israel, and then you have Judah. So if you read through First and Second Kings, and what's the difference between Judah and Israel? Israel is 
ten tribes, and they, they, if you read all through it, all their kings are bad. Judah just has a few kings, and basically Judah uh, is in the line of David. And there's a few kings that are good, but today I want to take a look at one of them. It's Josiah, and we're going to find out about him in chapter 22 of 2 Kings. Now today, I'm not going to have the scripture on the overhead. I want you to get the Bible in front of you. If you brought a Bible, really want to challenge you to, to open up the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, um, I, know I use an app on my phone. Um, I encourage you to download an app. There's one I like a one by Life Church. It's, it really gives you all the different translations and it helps you to be able to to look through the Bible and study the Bible. Um, so if you have an app, you can open up to 2 Kings um, chapter 22. The first part, chapter 22, verse 1 says this. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah of Bothcalf. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And so Josiah, how old was he? Did that, that strike you at all? He was eight years old when he became king. And it says that he, he, fathered, he followed in his father's footsteps, which was David. And so when it says father, it's talking about his great, 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 great grandfather. But he, was, he followed in his steps, and it says he didn't turn from the left or to the right. But it also says there that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And so we talked about sanctify at the very beginning. He did what was right. He obeyed what the Lord said. And so David, we talk about David. He, David was King David. He had Saul before him. For some, Saul, if you read, go back and read the Kings, he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the, right in the, eyes of the Lord. Basically, if you follow along in his story, he did what he wanted to do. And then when he was approached uh, by Samuel and said, hey, you're not following the word of the Lord. You're not doing what you're supposed to. He goes, yeah, I am. I'm doing what's right. And he says, and then Samuel tries to instruct him. He says, you know what? You do the practices, but you're not obeying. And he says, obeying is better than sacrifice. And so King, uh, King Saul kind of goes by the wayside. And David comes along. And you're sitting there, well, didn't David do what was wrong? David, you know, the, the Bathsheba story, and you got, you know, he killed her, had her husband killed. Isn't that wrong? And it is wrong. But at the end of the day, when they brought it to his attention that he was doing something wrong, what did King David do? He, he repented, and he humbled himself. And the difference in the two kings, and so when you look at these kings, and you're like, what's the difference? David was a man after God's own heart, and he followed, he followed uh, the ways of God. And so here you have Josiah, and it says he followed in his ways, he was doing what's right. And then in chapter, verse 3, I'm not going to read to you, but basically Josiah, it says the very beginning there, it says in the 18th year of King Josiah. So he's like 26 years old now, and he sends up the high priest, and he sends the secretary to the temple and says, we need to repair the temple. So get the money from the temple and pay the masonry and pay the guys to, to fix up the temple. Well, when they're there at the temple, Hilkiah, let's pick this up in verse 8. It says, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary, he says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servant have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it 
into the hands of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. It says, Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah, the high priest, has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. It says, When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Amakam and the son of Shaphan and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people. And for all Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. And so here the high priest is in the temple. He's, I don't know what he's doing, looking around the temple and he finds the book of the law. And he opens it up and he goes, "Uh uh-oh, what is this? And he reads it, and then he goes to the secretary of the king and says, hey, you might want to read this to the king. And he goes to the king, and he reads it to the king, and what's the king do? It says he tears his clothes. He was, he was mourning, because he realized at that particular place is that he, it says at the beginning of the chapter that he followed in the ways of the Lord, but 18 years into his kingship, he realizes he's not following the book of the law. He's not following God's law. And so he reads it and he's like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> and so he, he sends his high priest, he sends his secretary, he sends their sons, and they, he sends them to go to a prophetess, someone that could interpret the scripture. And in verse 15, she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon the inhabitants. All the words of this book that the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will kindle against this place, and it will be, not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. And he goes on and tells them before, you know, you're not going to face destruction, but people will face destruction. And he, said, he inquires to find out what's going on. He's, and he finds out that, you know what, we haven't been following the way God wants us to live this. He did, I haven't been following the way I'm supposed to be leading. And, but the, they say to him, this is what the Lord says to you, because you're a penitent, which means because you're repentant and because you humbled yourself to this book, you're not going to face the wrath that others are going to face. Because you followed me, because you followed in my ways, I'm going to spare you. And so Josiah, uh, um, the next thing he does, chapter 23, he, he, the king, it says the king sent all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. They gathered them. It said the king went up to the house of the Lord with all of the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. 
And the king stood by the pillars and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul and to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people joined in the covenant. It says he, he, when, he, when he realized what had been done, he said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And he gathered all the people together. And he read the, co- the book of the law to them. And then he made a commitment. And he says, from now on, I will follow the book. I will follow what it says. And I will follow all the testimonies and statutes of the Lord. And I make this covenant. And then it said all the people made the covenant as well. And the next thing you find in the next verses 4 through 20 is he goes into the temple and he cleans out the temple. And you find in the temple, it says in here, there was a house of male prostitute, cult prostitutes in the house of the Lord. And he starts to clean this stuff up because of what he read in the book. And then go down to verse 21 and it says, And the king commanded all the people, Keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel, or during the days of the kings of Israel, or the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. And he says, moreover, Josiah put away, um, put away all the mediums and the nar- narrowmancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the high priest found in the house of the Lord. And then it says this, Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor was there anyone after him like this. And so you have this king. It says in the 18th year he started doing this stuff. And then you read down here in the 18th year that he says there was no one like him. He got busy. He got busy cleaning up. He got busy following after the Lord. The things that didn't look like the Lord, the things that didn't honor the Lord, the things that weren't obeying the Lord, he got rid of. And then it says the one thing that he did, which I, I didn't even forgot about this, is that he reinstituted the Passover. It's the Passover. He said there was no one had honored the Passover since the judges. And it goes on to say that there's never been a king like him and none after him. And why was that? Because he found the book and he started following it. He found the word of the Lord and he started following it. Now here Josiah is. He's doing his job. He thinks he's doing what's right. He's living his life. It's said that he, that he was at the very beginning in verse 20, in chapter 22, he says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But it wasn't until the 18th year of his reign that he realized <laughs> that, hey, I'm not following the book. And it was at that particular place, he's looking at himself and he's probably looking in the mirror going, I'm the king. I'm the guy that's supposed to be leading the charge here. I'm the guy that's supposed to be instituting this stuff. And when he finds out he's not, he's brokenhearted. He's repentant and he's humbled. And he starts moving the people. And he starts letting the people know that we need to follow this book. It's probably a good idea. And it says he reinstituted the Passover. Then it it says that he followed him with his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul. And I can't help but think about Josiah and and think about ourselves today. And where are we at as people? That, you know, we are people that, that we might go to church. 
We might know God. We might find ourselves in the temple or maybe here on Sunday mornings. But you, but you're like Josiah maybe in some senses where you didn't realize you weren't following him to follow his book. Maybe you haven't picked a book up in a while. Maybe, maybe you pick it up and you start reading it. And maybe you like Josiah a little bit that you're like, oh my gosh, when you pick it up. <laughs> I'm kind of off a little bit. Or maybe you start reading it and you're enlightened. Maybe you're inspired. Maybe it changes some of your perspective. And maybe what you think is important in life, you read the Bible and you're like, uh-oh. What's important to me is a little, should be a little bit different. Maybe my priorities need to be adjusted a little bit. But when we read the book, it's, it says Josiah was humbled and he was repentant. And one of the things for us that's important when we come to the book is, is to be humbled and to look at it. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, you, you start living your life and maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks and you don't pick up the book and you're not reading through it, you're not paying attention to it, and you pick it up, you're like, uh-oh, I'm a little bit off today. And the thing of it is, the thing, he didn't even, he didn't realize it was there. Hilkiah found it in the temple somewhere and he kind of dusted it off. But maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been doing this thing long or I don't, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I come to church on Sunday, isn't that enough? And I would say, you know what, it's great that you're here. But one of the things that we've done a disservice to you guys is that, you know what, you need to be in here. If all your, the only food that you're eating is on Sunday morning, you might gonna get, you're going to get hungry. And so it's our job to help teach you, to help, understand, help you understand that you, you can read this during the week. You don't need our instructions. You can like pick it up and you can read it. And it's, it, it's a good thing to do. I'm not insulting you. If you do that, great. But I want to give you permission. And there's all kinds of different, and I, and I think the thing of it is, sometimes we think there's a certain thing we have to do. It's like, well, someone said I had to read through the Bible in a year. Is that how we do it? Or should I read in Genesis and go all the way to the end? Or should I start in the New Testament? What do I do? You know, this morning, I, I thought it would be nice just to hear from some different people, just to say, you know, this is, I, I'm going to bring up two different couples. We had three the first service, so you guys are missing out this one. We don't get the other one. They had to go somewhere. But we're going to have two couples come forward. I just asked them to share with you, what do they do? What do they do for their devotions? How do they approach the Bible? And so they would come. You know, there's different, in your, as they're coming, I'll give you another thing. In the back of your bulletin, it says this week's journal reading. Basically, that there is just, if you read that every single week, you would read through the Bible in a year. But I don't know about you guys, I, I've tried to read through the Bible in a year. My wife and I were trying to read through the Bible in a year, and we would sit down and we would get about a week behind. And so we would sit on a Friday because we were off on Friday. And we'd spend like half the day trying to catch up in our reading so we would be current in our reading. And then we'd just start fighting and get angry with each other. I'm like, I don't think this is what's supposed to be happening here. But there's all kinds of different ways to approach it. And I'm going to have these guys with the microphone that's over there. <laughs> First, this is Brian and Kathleen Coates. Good morning. Um, just from, like, I guess a real practical standpoint, Mike had asked us to share what I do for devotions, what I do for my time in the Word. Um, over the years, I've, I've done several different things. Um, currently, what I'm doing, uh, I, uh, I work as a tile setter, so I wake up in the morning and go to work. Um, after I do my first um, bucket full of mud, I kind of take a break with things. Uh, I'll go out to my van 
eat a sandwich, I'll read a couple of chapters. Um, and uh, the majority of my time is probably, is, right now I'm in, in uh, reading in Acts uh, and in Matthew, both. But um, I do spend a lot of time in the New Testament, um, sometime in the Old Testament too. But um, I will come out on my break, read a couple of chapters, um, and I think about those chapters. I, and then the next day I'll do the same thing. Probably for about a week I'll read those same two or three chapters um, over and over. I read them now uh, on my phone because that's easy for me. I have it downloaded like Mike was talking earlier. And I've found that I can also write from my phone just with my thumb, click through and look at a different version or look at a commentary on the chapters that I'm reading and see what somebody else has to say about it. I could look up um, a word that I don't understand in the dictionary uh, and get a meaning. Um, so that's kind of just a, a practical way that I approach it and do it. Um, that works good for me. I've done it different in the past. That worked for me also. This is what I'm doing now. I think the common denominator um, isn't uh, the great thing about, oh, I read this much each day or I, I don't read this much. It's that I'm actually in the Word. Um, that's the common denominator, whether I'm reading a bunch, reading a little, reading a commentary, not reading a commentary. It's, it's time in God's word that has uh, greatly affected my life. So similar to Brian, um, I, it's looked different over the years. Probably most of us would say the same thing. Um, I, I have tried it on my phone, and it just doesn't work for me. I'm not a... I need, to, I need to touch pages. I need to write things down. Otherwise, I just, it, it doesn't sink in for me. So um, there's been times in our marriage that we've done Bible studies together. We've gone through specific studies together. Um, more often than not, we're each kind of doing our own thing, and, and we just bounce off each other what we're learning, what God's sharing with us. Right now, what I'm doing is a, I would call a topical study. I have a book that I'm reading um, called uh, Your Child's Heart. That's what it is. Um, and it's just, it's really a book about how to, how to raise children of faith that love God and are full of virtue in our, com- in our current culture. Because uh, there's a, there's a, it's a challenging thing to do. So that particular book, I read a little bit every morning. It's full of scripture. And so then I go to the Word and I look up those scriptures that are in the book and then right alongside it, each morning I'm doing an additional Uh, basically a topical study. I have a study Bible that in the back of it lists words, and so I'm working my way through every scripture that talks about children, that talks about parents, mothers, and fathers, and trying to just really create for myself that reminder of all the things that I need to be processing and thinking as I'm going through my day about how to raise children. That's where I'm at right now, and that's where, that's the mission that's on my heart, and so, um, It'll probably look different six months from now, but that's where it's at at the moment. And I usually will find something that I want to meditate on from that day or that time, something that really sticks with me. And most recently, just um, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, I was reading a scripture in Proverbs. And one of the kings says, oh, I, re- I remember the words of my mother. So this is what I'm meditating on right now. My mom, bas- here's my paraphrase. My mom said, stay away from women. They're just trouble. Stay away from beer and wine because you'll do something really stupid while you're drunk. And then the third thing was, and this is the one that I'm really sitting with, is defend the defenseless. 
speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. And so for me right now, that's what God's working on the last few days this week is how do I model that for my son and how do I teach him to do that? And so, um, like I said, it'll look different later, but right now it's very topical. This is Tiffany and Matt Holdall. Hi, good morning. Um, so for me, my time with God has looked vastly different over the many years that I have had the privilege to know Jesus. Um, there have been times in my life when it is very inconsistent, times that I get very complacent with the word. Um, I'm a rule follower, so reading a verse a day for me can sometimes be really easy, and I will read that verse, but I won't write it on my heart. I won't meditate on it. Um, and so I'm very thankful for God's grace that it covers me so that that way when I am inconsistent, he is always consistent. Um, over the years, I've done many Bible studies with friends, with my husband, with our kids. But for me, what really, what really draws me into him is to be alone with his word. Um, and right now, what that looks like in my life, I'm going through the book of Galatians. I have never been someone who has finished the Bible in a year. I have made that New Year's resolution. I have sat down with the chart that you color in each day that you read. And I, I don't really probably make it through, like, lamentations before I quit. So I've never been good at that. I go slow. Numbers, probably numbers is where I lose it. I go slow through God's word. The last three months I've been studying the book of Galatians. I'm barely on chapter three. Um, but I sit in it. And over the years, I've kind of picked up on three things. And this is what I do every time I open God's word um, to study it and to sit with him. The first thing I do is I meditate on God's word. For me, that looks like looking at it, writing things down, asking myself questions about it, looking at his attributes that are there, um, is this a passage of scripture? And by passage, I'm not a chapter reader. I'm like the little sections. Um, you know, is the gospel present here? I ask myself questions about it. So I meditate on God's word. The second thing I do is I pray God's word. Whatever couple of verses I'm reading, I pray that back to him. So as I'm in Galatians chapter three and I'm learning about the Holy Spirit, I'm praying to the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm praying about the Holy Spirit that I will be spirit filled. Um, and things like that. So I meditate, I pray, and then this one I'll say, but I, I stink at it. I try to memorize God's word. I try to, I'm going through the book of Galatians. My hope is by the end of it to have Galatians chapter 5 memorized. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but that is my hope. So I pray, I meditate, and I memorize. So that's what my time with God looks like. I can't beat that. That's probably why I wish you went first. Um, so um, I'm more of a theological nerd, and so I like to actually um, find out the church history and the history of the author and the intent of the original author first to find out what actually was meant during that time and the significance of that. So I actually do that before I even go into verses. So I think that's helpful because then you understand why he, they wrote a certain way. And then uh, also we do a lot of stuff um, with our kids, like the New City Catechism, and it asks, like, different questions and stuff like that. And then um, now I lost the verse on here that I was going to read. So we, there's a verse on uh, Deuteronomy 6, and uh, it talks about teaching your kids and 
spending time with your, your family, and that's important to us, is uh, doing a lot of things with our kids and understanding things. And uh, we went to go help someone move yesterday, and I explained to my oldest, who went with us, the importance of being in community and helping others since they don't have family here. And so ex- taking moments like that throughout the day to explain and use scripture to teach your kids uh, different ways to reach other people. So that's about all we do. Thank you, guys. The the whole purpose of just trying to get, for you to understand, it's all kinds of different ways to approach. um, And as I know a lot of people say, well, I can't use this thing. I have to use this thing. But the thing, the important part is, is just to get into the Word. And I, for, like I said a little bit ago, for us, we would go through the one-year Bible. We'd try to read a bunch of stuff. And then we got, sometimes we go through, if we're preaching through a series, we, we've read through John a couple times, just processing John, studying John. But right now, what we do is we read the on our Bible app. It's the Life Church Bible app. It has a verse of the day. We read the verse of the day. And we talk about it for a minute. We, you know, the Bible never really says to read it, but it does say to meditate on it. And so the idea is to process it and to think about it. And so we read that verse to each other. We talk about it, pray about it, and then we read it to our kids at the breakfast table. And right now, that's the season that we're in. But the whole point of this, and what we're trying to get across, is there's all kinds of different ways to get into the Bible. But the point is, is to get into the Bible, is to, to read the Word, to, to be able to, to feed yourself um, as you're only feeding yourself once a week, you're going to starve to death. And the more we can get our eyes on it and just get perspective for the day. I don't know about you, but I could have really good perspective one day and it could be later that day. I don't, (laughs) but sometimes a lot of times the next day I don't have good perspective. And the point is, is just feeding yourself. And I, I, with, with Josiah, you know, this guy, he, he, when he realized that he wasn't following the ways of God, he, he made a commitment he made a covenant with God to say, you know what, I'm going to follow in your ways. And, and the one thing we get to do in America is we actually get to read the Bible. We're, it's not taken from us. We, we have freedom to get into it. And so this morning, in closing with you, I, I want to challenge you. Is to challenge you for two weeks, for 14 days. We're going to be in this series for, for two weeks. And so we thought to challenge you for 14 days to, sub, to do something. Read the verse of the day. Read a chapter. Get, open the Bible. Read something each day. And to find one nugget, find something that speaks to you and share it with somebody else. And so for 14 days, read the Bible, just a little bit each day, whatever you want to read each day for 14 straight days, and then to share whatever it is that spoke to you to someone else. You maybe have maybe, I don't know, 190, 100 people in here, and each one of us was sharing with someone else and encouraging someone else um, what God's Word's saying. It would, it would begin to be a to be able to give other people hope and encouragement. And so that's what my challenge to you this morning is to open the book and get into it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Josiah, just a, a, a story of king after king after king who, who doesn't please you. It's not walking in the way that you want them to walk. And all Josiah does is finds a book and he opens it and starts following it. He follows the law. He follows your word. And when he gets and realizes, he realizes he's a little bit off. And he realizes he's leading a little bit off. And so he begins to change things because of what he's reading in your word. And he commits himself 
And then you find at the end of his day that there was none like him. There was none like him before him and there was none like him after him. Father, I pray for us as individuals that we would be like Josiah, that we would find your word and that we would open it and that we would be, make a commitment to it, that we'd make a covenant with you to say, you know what, I need your word daily. And then that, that I would read it daily, I would meditate on it daily and apply it and that I would begin to see the difference, to see how things change in my life, to see how my priorities might change a little bit, to see what inspires me, might be enlightened. And so, Father, I pray for us as a, your church, that we would be a church that would be known, that, that we read your word, that we'd be a church that's known for following your word, and that we would be committed to your word. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right now